I'm Marissa Donnelly, host of the Vulnerability Podcast, a podcast series focused on being vulnerable, being emotional, being deep, and talking about topics that people often shy away from. In this podcast series, you'll see stories of faith, hope, inspiration, darkness, frustration, and everything that really challenges us to speak to our human experience and to do so in shedding our skins and being vulnerable. For today's episode of the Vulnerability Podcast, I am so excited to welcome Eli Nash. Eli is the co-founder of Mic Drop, a movement that helps to amplify unheard voices. He is a powerful man who's spoken about his sexual abuse during his childhood as well as his previous addiction to porn, and he is just an incredibly transparent, honest, and vulnerable human being, and I'm so excited to have him on the show. So please welcome Eli. I uh, live in Miami today with uh, two beautiful children. One is one and one is a month. I'm originally from Brooklyn. I grew up in a Orthodox Jewish home. I'm a Hasidic community. Over time, I've uh, moved away from that day-to-day of that lifestyle. Uh, today, I run two businesses. One is a uh, distribution uh, business with about 80 or 90 employees, and I run also a, a storytelling training company called Mic Drop, which I started about a year ago. Awesome. Yes. Yeah, so you, I, I've been learning a little bit about you and you're a busy guy and you have uh, such an awesome background and awesome story. And I guess Thanks. to start, yeah, I guess to start, I just, I am really excited about mic drop when I first heard about that and just saw your passion for it. I thought that, you know, maybe we could start there just sharing that vision and what inspired you to make that happen and what that is. Cause I think a lot of my listeners could really resonate with, with that. Yeah, Mic Drop was uh, born out of uh, me many years feeling like I didn't have a voice and eventually reclaiming that voice. You know, I, I've mm-hmm. shared um, on a number of occasions about a, a several year period of my childhood where I was sexually abused by a family friend. And I imagine it was before that, but that also contributed to me feeling for a very long time like I didn't have a voice, that what I, what I might have a voice I couldn't express myself. My feelings didn't matter. My thoughts didn't matter. My opinion didn't matter. And unless I was giving some, some, if, unless I was giving someone something, I wasn't useful in that relationship. And that manifested itself in many different ways. And one of it was just a discomfort speaking in public. And eventually, I learned to. I learned to speak publicly. I learned to share my story. I saw the power in that. I know we talk a lot about the power of stories and how stories affect. But if you see the way they're typically communicated, stories is either in written form or it's someone else telling that person's stories. So maybe there's a documentary where someone's story is being told by the film writer. And I thought that it would be amazing to create a platform where people can share their own story. And that's what we do. We provide both a training and a platform for people to share their story. We get the story out to the world and it's in their voice. Awesome. And what, what kind of people and experiences, is it people getting past trauma? Is it kind of like life stories? Is it inspirational? What do you say is the majority or maybe it's, maybe it's a bunch of things? It's, it's a bunch of things. I mean, sometimes it's people who want to raise money for a cause. That's, that's happened a couple of times. Recently, we helped a young mom raise over $2 million for her daughter uh, for some, she needed some treatment that was relatively rare. Uh, that's obviously not the most common. Yeah. Um, but there have been a couple of cases like that. Others is just someone who feels like they, they need to, they feel a, a powerful desire to share their story. Over the last couple of weeks, uh, we've assisted five people who spent, either they spent time in prison or a family member spent time in prison and just sharing their stories 
associated with that. Other times they can be more positive and much lighter. Uh, we did an evening where 12 female entrepreneurs was actually broken up into two evenings in February where 12 female entrepreneurs uh, shared their story. Um, I believe all of them are building families while building companies. And we thought that was just cool. And each one of them shared their story and the stories really ranged. That's awesome. How do you, um, when you have people, do they, do people reach out to you for mm -hmm. your platform? How does, yeah, how yeah. does that process work? People reach out to us and uh, sometimes they have a talk that they already want to give or they have a platform that they're already doing at, doing it at. Maybe it's a, a wedding or maybe, and, and they want to share something or maybe it's a, a nonprofit fundraiser or maybe they don't have a platform at all and they want us to provide that as well. But we do both. We have the training and the platform and they're two different offerings. So most of our business is done in Miami and New York mm -hmm. uh, when it's done in person. So we have a theater in Miami and we have a theater and we have theaters that we work with in New York when someone wants to share their story. And we work with us. We have a number of different trainers. Uh, we pair them with a trainer. And once we prepare them for the speech, we get it out there and we put them, besides for doing it in person and getting them in front of an audience, right? if you think about it, you know, if the average person wanted to give a speech, they say, you know, I really want to, maybe it's just for the thrill of speaking in public or maybe because it's something they have to say, where would they start? So we provide that. They can come to us and say, great, we'll make an evening just for you. We've done that for people, an evening just for them to share their story. Uh, we had a uh, top architect in Miami a few months ago share her story at 16 years old. Uh, she found out she was pregnant and she decided to keep the child. And this just hung over her for a long time. And even though she had become financially successful and uh, professionally successful, this hung over her in some way, feeling like she let her parents down, feeling like she let other people down, feeling like if people knew about this, they'd have less respect for her, but also feeling a deep appreciation for her child who went through this. And this kind of cocktail of emotions uh, created a, a desire in her to want to share this. We held an evening in our theater for her and uh, her, her talk is on our YouTube channel. Our YouTube channel is Mic Drop with Rosh Lowe. Rosh Lowe is my partner and mm -hmm. uh, he's the, the creator of the Mic Drop method. And uh, on that channel, uh, we feature a story by Daisy Torres and someone can see it. And Daisy shared about her professional academic career. Her daughter was in the audience. Her, pa her parents were in the audience. Her coworkers were in the audience. Uh, people in her company who report to her <laughs> were in the audience. Her boss yeah. was in the audience. And she, sh she shared that, just that shame in some way that was on her. And a lot of ways I look at um, mic drop as, as an opportunity to bust shame. You know, when I think about mm -hmm. uh, what I was able to do by speaking about my sexual abuse, and more recently, I've spoken publicly about porn addiction. I did a TED talk about porn addiction. And just sharing those stories publicly has allowed me to uh, reduce and eradicate any shame. So powerful. I think, like you said, there's so much power in stories. But yeah, I think a lot of it, either it's writing it. Um, I mean, that's what I do for a living is writing stories. But, you know, like you said, it's either someone writing their own story or someone telling someone else's story. So there's so much power and being able to put that to words and stand before people and kind of in a way getting really vulnerable and, you know, shedding that skin and losing that shame. But when you do that, that's, it, it brings out like the core of you and people can connect to that and relate to that and share their own stories and feel like they're not alone in their experience, which is huge. Yeah. Brene Brown has a, um, a saying something to the effect of allowing ourselves to be seen when we dare to be seen. And 
I think it says to see and to be seen. That is the truest nature of love. And to be seen, uh, writing is a very powerful medium, and I enjoy writing myself. And before I started speaking, I, that's, that's the way I communicated my feelings. There's something about standing up in a room full of people and speaking and allowing yourself to truly be seen in that way. I don't think that there's a more powerful way of being seen than just to, to do that. Yeah, I think with writing, sometimes it's like you can kind of hide behind the words in a way. You know, you can hide behind the screen, you, know, you can hide behind the keyboard. And it's different when you when you have a room full of people. Exactly, you're you're there. You're standing there naked, really, sharing all yeah. of your all of your stuff. There are ways to hide behind the speech, also, right? If I get up and I uh, if I read, or if I quote a lot, or if I start talking a lot about statistics on a topic, that also could be. A reading is probably the primary way. If I stand up and read, I, oftentimes you're not seen. Or sometimes what you see a lot of in speeches is kind of the same tone or the same style of speaking that comes out. So how many speeches have you heard where someone gets up and says, I just want to thank my mom for being the greatest mom in the world. And I want to thank my dad for always being by my side. And thank mm -hmm. you so much to my friend this and so on and so forth. And it really means so much to me that everyone came out tonight. Thank you. I love you. Right. And that's a speech, but they didn't really allow themselves to be seen. Right. Um, at my own wedding, for example, um, I got married in a, uh, um, in a hotel um, that was once a church and I had a very Jewish wedding mm -hmm. and this was bizarre for some people, you know, it was a 15th century monastery at one point and today we're having a Jewish wedding and some people had made comments about it. And some of the comments I didn't totally appreciate because every religion kind of has its I'm better than the other one kind of thing come out mm -hmm. and um, at my wedding, I stood up and I said, you know, I've heard a lot of different theories for uh, why there's a Jewish wedding at a, uh, at a place that once was a monastery. So let me give you my take on it. And I said, I think that, you know, a wedding is very much two people coming together and it's the bridging of two things. So I said, in many ways, the reason I have a wedding, number one, and a wedding that is Jewish is because I've gone to recovery. And the recovery has been very heavily influenced by Christian principles. Ironically, recovery has brought me closer to my Judaism, I said. So to me, how perfect to have a wedding at a place, that a Jewish wedding at a place that was once a monastery, which is just another example of something else that was born. So now what I did there, when I, when I said that I allowed myself to be seen, most people in the audience had no idea that I was in recovery from addiction. It wasn't something I shared with most of them. Um, I took an opinion on something that wasn't necessarily mainstream in the room that evening. Mm -hmm. I said something. That's another way of being seen. So that's a lot of what we teach is if you watch our talks, they're not necessarily the most polished and people don't follow a certain tone or modality. It's really, But what someone will find is that it's very real. And pretty much uniformly in all of our talks, they're very, very real. I think that that is so important I, I think it even has more value sometimes than the message you say is that you allow yourself to be messy and be raw and be real that's kind of the reason why I started this podcast is so I feel like there are so many topics in our lives that we shy away from whether it's fear or whether it's past trauma or you know you don't want to be seen a certain way by somebody so we shy away from different things or we you know allow ourselves to kind of hold these things in but 
that's once we get rid of that fear of what other people are going to think or you know oh this has to be perfect or has to be said a different way and we just allow ourselves to say it even if it's messy that that produces the the feeling of everybody coming together in that raw moment and being like oh i understand i see you like you said that you're seen that way mm -hmm. yeah and you know what's amazing especially when you talk about things that bring us shame Things that bring us shame are usually the most human things about us, number one. And number two, they're the things we have most in common with others. And once we're able to express that, you know, there aren't that many when you, you there aren't that many differences between people and there aren't that many different needs, right? If people have love, belonging, there are certain common themes, health, safety. Once those needs are met, we're pretty much, okay, we're, we're good. There aren't endless amounts. So there's certain themes that disrupt, right? We talk about tr trauma. Trauma is going to usually be a feeling of safety that was taken away from someone. So when we just talk about that theme, there's so many different people who can connect to it if we say it in those words. And if we allow ourselves to feel the feelings, which allows the audience to see those feelings, that someone else can relate to that and say, wow, there was a point in my time where I also felt really, really scared. And I also re felt really, really unsafe. And that sense of safety and security was robbed from me. So it may not have been in the same way as someone who went to prison, for example, but I understand, I, I can relate to that in some way. I was sick for a weekend, I was stuck in bed. I can relate and connect in some way to the person who spent five years in prison. It's not the same, but there's a connection there that could be created. That connection's the core of what it means to be human, exactly. Even if, like you said, it's not the same type of experience, but when you can connect to somebody, you understand a little bit more about yourself as well as them. There's power in that. And then that reduces the shame because that's all shame is, right? Shame is, shame is essentially a, feel, a feeling of I am alone and I belong to be alone, right? It's, it's shame is I am not worthy of connection. That's, that's shame in a nutshell. It's that fear, that fear that if someone knew this about me, I would not be worthy of their connection. And the opposite is true. I spoke about porn addiction on this podcast. I spoke about being sexually abused as a child, two of the things that for so many years I thought, if people knew this about me, they would never want to be my friend. And today, a lot of my friends have come about because of that, because they connected in that way. And some of my deepest relationships happened because of that. And how did you know when you were ready, I guess, to share the story? Like what, did you feel compelled to share it? Or how did you know, when you carry that shame, it's so hard to kind of combat the fear and the shame itself to be able to put it out into the world. I know I struggle with that sometimes in certain topics and things that I write about, but it's different, in, you know, in terms of really standing in front of an audience and sharing that story. So how did you, how were you able to dig into that and embrace that shame and, and then through expressing it, get rid of it? Yeah, I don't, th I don't think it's a, it's a question of ready. I imagine that when you, you know, I, I got to therapy and I worked, on, worked through some of the most difficult feelings, certainly, and I spoke to family members and other friends. I didn't, my, my very first move wasn't to stand up on a stage and share publicly. Mm -hmm. But when I did, there was like, you know, a vulnerability hangover, if you want to say it that way. Um, I imagine that happens with you, right? When you publish a, maybe some of your best, articles or maybe you have a podcast and you open up more than you expected to the next day you're like oh shit what did I say yeah, then two exactly. days later you feel much better yeah so the oh shit what did I say I've come to realize is a really good is a really is it is a necessary part of the process I think for some people they assume 
okay, I'm going to do it when I feel ready. And I feel ready means I'm going to have no fear associated with it. Well, that's not going to happen. You're going to have to feel the fear and do it anyway. And then the next day you're going to feel like shit. And then by the third day, when the messages start rolling in and you're able to put it into perspective or the fourth day, they're like, wow, that's the, that's the coolest thing I've ever done. Um, I did a Ted talk in April. They didn't publish it until about two and a half months later. And the first time I saw it online and I realized that anytime someone Googles my name, the very first thing they'll see is this Ted talk. I freaked out. And for two days I couldn't sleep. I couldn't think. And all I imagined were all the horrible scenarios that can go wrong for my Ted talk being out there. For example, uh, when my son who's one today is a teenager, his friends could be teasing, teasing him in school because of the fact that his dad has a talk on porn addiction. And that's still a reality that hasn't changed but what has been added to that kind of, you know, one lone thought is probably about, two, probably about 200 messages that I've received from people that I've never met before who've found my email address or my Instagram or Facebook and reached out to me and said, you know, some variation of thank you so much for sharing. I don't feel so alone anymore. And that takes away all that negativity. It really does. Uh, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. It's, it's there. The fear is always going to be there. But then it's like it doesn't matter when you realize the impact it's made on others and then the way it's changed you as well. Yeah. I think, you know, one of the things we've created at Mike Drop, which makes it very unique is our method. A lot of people say, well, I don't have a story, right? I wasn't sexually abused. Uh, my parents, you know, didn't go through major trauma, divorce or otherwise. I've had a relatively normal upbringing, but you know, I still have regular everyday stuff. I don't have a story. No one's going to care. And our method will extract that story from that person, guaranteed. I think everybody has a story and it, it might look different and it might not be the same, you know, as someone else's or it might, you know, have a different outcome. But I think there's, I, I think sometimes people think like, oh, well, I don't have, you know, X, Y, and Z, so I don't have a story. But it's more about what you can bring to the world. What about your message or, you know, mm -hmm. even your impact. Exactly. And everybody I, has that. I would say everybody has an interesting story. Everybody. Yeah. There's something about that, that, you know, what is interesting to, to us is when we can see ourselves in that. And like I said, there are a few universal needs, universal desires, universal points of pain, universal points of pleasure. And when we can touch on those things, then everyone can connect. Anyone can connect to and learn from that because we've all processed or done something with our experience that's unique. And when someone else can hear that, they say, okay, that's, that's interesting. I've just learned something valuable. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So what would you say? I'm, I imagine that there's listeners that are, you know, tuning in and they're thinking, okay, what's my story? Or, you know, maybe they have a story and they're, they're feeling like, okay, this is inspiring me to want to share it. What, what would be like an actionable, in your opinion, first step for them to take, you know, with their, with their story or with the way they're feeling, you know, to write it down or to share it with somebody they love or what, what, would, what do you think? They're more than welcome to reach out. Um, we help with that. If you're willing to play along with me a little bit, I can ask you a couple of questions, which are typical as part of our training. Our training is more of a four-part training course, but I can give you kind of the highlights of it. It's about, it's a four-part. Each one's about an hour and there's homework in between. So I'm not going to capture all of it, but if you're willing to play along, I can ask you a couple of questions and your listeners, while they're listening, think how they would answer those same questions. And at the end of this, they should start piecing together a little bit of what that story may look like. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So um, you're obviously a passionate person. 
right? Writing and speaking and mm -hmm. everything else. Your passion is right there. What would you say it is you're passionate about? Like what's those two or three things that say, this is what I'm, when you say passionate about writing, but what is it about writing that you're passionate about? Um, I'm passionate about watching people find their identity through words. Um, specifically, I feel like that's what I run my business around is helping people either personally or professionally finding their voice and being able to articulate that, you know, in their relationships, in their connections, in their jobs, in the content they create. That would probably be the biggest thing. So it's using the power of words to be able to find their identity. Yes. So is, is there a message that you have that connects to that? Like if you, if you had a, um, a billboard and there was a picture of you and it said a very succinct phrase of that's you, what is that phrase? Um, it'd probably be like the, the mantra behind my business, which is there is a light within you that cannot be extinguished. And it's all There's about a, everybody has their own light. There's a light within you that cannot be extinguished. Oh, so, mm -hmm. okay. That's great. So um, if, our assumption at mic drop is that passion is born in pain, right? So that means if you have a passion about something at some point in time, you did not have this. So you obviously felt the lack of it mm -hmm. or you, or you felt, you felt it was missing in some way is the best way to say it. And mm -hmm. that lack, there was a pain associated with that. And eventually when you got it, you became passionate about, about that. So what was the, when was there a time where you, maybe you felt your light was extinguished? Yeah, tell me a story that connects to that. Okay. Um, for the longest time, I felt like I was finding my worth in everything else. Um, so like in, you know, in relationships, in other people, in boyfriends, in work, in working long hours. So I was trying to find my identity and trying to find my passion and all these things other than myself, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. And then as I started writing and as I started really realizing the power of being vulnerable and, you know, sharing those emotions with the world and, you know, writing pieces about, you know, finding your identity in yourself and walking away from relationships that don't serve you and, you know, getting out of toxic connections. As I was writing those pieces and I realized how powerful it was that people were connecting to it and how freeing it was to write it, it made me realize that that, that was my true light. That was my true passion. And instead of pouring myself into all these kind of in a way meaningless things. So when did that pattern, when, when did that pattern start, right? Because you're saying that you've lost your identity over time, if I understand correctly. And it just felt like, okay, I'm searching for this. I'm, I'm trying to find myself in work. I'm trying to find myself in a, in a relationship. I'm trying to find myself in some sort of externally validated measure of success or accomplishment. So wh when did that start? When, when did you start? Was it at five years old, six years old, 10 years? Like what um, probably yeah. in like high school, you know, like 15, 16, you're trying to, you know, find love. That's like your priority. That was mine. You know, it was just that time frame of like in my teen years where it's like, you're trying to figure out who you are and everything else, but what's inherently already within you, I guess is the best way to put it. So you've had a really, uh, I'm going, I'm going to gather from what you said that you had a really rough relationship with a guy that um, probably was very painful and became your best teacher. Yeah, I would say it was kind of several relationships, um, platonic and uh, romantic, and it just kind of catapults you into this place of always looking for your worth everything, everywhere else. So when, when did it get the worst? Like, what was the bottom for you? Um, maybe in, like, my early 20s. Kind of have what this happened? Moment. Um, I guess I just had this moment where I felt like I didn't know who I was anymore and, like, realizing 
I don't want to be defined by, you know, a connection with someone. I want to be defined by who I am. I don't want to be heartbroken. So what did you feel like in that? Well, that's, I'm guessing that's after a breakup with someone, right? So you broke up with someone and you felt empty and you said, why do I feel this way from not having this person? Why is this person, why do I feel like I can't breathe just because there isn't a person in my life? Am I, I want to put words into your mouth, but am I understanding? Yeah, that and just who, who am I? I'm not what this person thinks I am, I guess. You know, like in, in a toxic situation, it's like this person created this identity and I was realizing that's not who I am. That's just what this person is putting on me. It's like so this it relationship like, with this image that they yeah. have of you. And it's like, I need to break free of that because I'm not bad. I'm not wrong. I'm not worthless. I'm not all these negative things. Who am I? Okay. So um, for this speech, and some of this may be tough to get through just in this conversation, but there's a piecing together of just how important one's individual identity is to you. And that's kind of your message to the world, mm -hmm. right? Is that individual identity. And that was born in a very common story, a story of trying to find um, meaning externally through a combination of business and relationships, and one day realizing that it's never, none of these are ever going to fill you up, and the work that has to be done is an inside job. Mm -hmm. And as close as it, you came to feeling like your light was extinguished, you realize that it's always there, and if you're willing to dig enough, you can find your identity, and that's the message you want to share with others. That's the beginning of your your speech. Um, likely some of it, if I pressed, that's why I said it takes time. But some of these, in, in a speech, what we'll teach is not to be overly, overly broad with right. descriptions. So we would bring someone in, right? So when I'm when I'm when I'm speaking, and I'm talking, say about the abuse, I'll bring someone into that room and I'll tell you exactly how the guy got me into the room. The guy fooled me in the room by challenging me, saying, I bet you can't climb this high. And then once I was in the room, he locked the door, and I remember that lock, and I remember it closing. And then he lied down on top of me. My arms couldn't move. My legs couldn't move. And bringing people into this image also brings me into this. And when I do, I feel it, and I feel the suffocation, but it also allows the audience to really feel that pain. So, And that's what we try to train is to really allow someone to go there in the speech process. And if you watch some of our talks on our mic drop channel, you'll see that kind of, that theme is where we try to get people to, to go there somewhat specifically because A, that creates an amazing story. The audience can't think in, in, in vague terms. Mm -hmm. it's, the, our mind thinks in images. So the more we can bring someone into a specific image, me climbing up bars and like, a, you know, it's in a Brooklyn, um, you know, those, uh, the brown and a Brooklyn brownstone, right, to get into this small little bedroom and the guy locks the door and mounts me and all of that stuff, those become very descriptive and you can start putting images in your head and then say, okay, what did that kid feel like in that moment? Right. And that's what we try to do through every single speech and then tie it back to that overall message because what it's going to do is going to allow the audience to feel that feeling of when your light was nearly extinguished and just how horrible you felt at that moment it's, I, I gave the ex expression because I've, I've heard someone else use this expression of I felt like I couldn't breathe without him. Mm -hmm. And getting to that point where you felt like you were worthless and then from there creating a life for yourself that you say, now I'm an inspiration to others. And I realized, no, I'm not. I have this amazing light. And obviously, if I have it, so do so many other people. And that 
bringing someone on that roller coaster of emotions and then to that end victory is what makes it so powerful. The same as, same as a movie, you're just doing it with your words and without, without the benefit of expensive cinematography. And that's when a speaker allows the audience to truly see them. Yeah, I can only imagine getting deeper and talking about maybe some of the more specific examples and how that can really transform. Because, you know, in just a few minutes, it's, I am like trying to generalize, but yet there is power in like digging into those exact emotions and those moments and that person or people. So there's, that's awesome. I think for anyone listening, being able to answer those questions for yourself and really digging into not only how you felt in the moment, but what the message is, that's where your, that's where your story is. And I guess for my example too, like you said, it's, you know, it's something that a lot of people can connect to going through a toxic relationship, whether, you know, family or romantic or platonic, whatever people can connect to that. And it's an ordinary story in a way. So I think that's yeah. also something to think about. It doesn't have to be huge. Yeah, as you were saying it, actually it's, it's better, in some ways it's better if it's not huge, meaning it's more relatable if it's not huge. Someone says, I have this story. Well, what's the purpose of the story? The purpose of the story is for someone to learn from you. So if I tell you that I grew up in the forest with wolves and bears and you know, whatever it is, some insane story, and you know, I somehow made it to this place. Yeah, it's entertaining, but can you see yourself in me? But if someone stands up and tells you how after their, you know, they went guy hopping, right? Relationship to relationship to relationship, never, never leaving one before there was another one that was somewhat secure and always looking for validation. And actually we have a talk someone gave, uh, it was Monica Wurzberger was her name and it's her talk. She named it, we're not crazy, we're codependent. Mm -hmm. And uh, some of these themes, and she, she speaks about that. She speaks about one day just, you know, texting this guy incessantly for a response and lying on her bathroom floor crying when he didn't respond back. And she's like, what is wrong? Like, what has happened to me? Like, I used to like me. What has happened to me? Yeah. And then what she's learned from it, and today she's become somewhat of a, a voice in this arena. I'll actually, I'll, I'll send it to you. Um, maybe you put in the show notes or watch it. I think that it's, um, it connects and you can see the I imagine when you watch it, just hearing a little bit of your story, that you'll feel very connected to her as a speaker because how powerful is it to say something that's something that you went through? And that's where I think a lot of people make the mistake with stories saying, my story is not interesting, just the opposite. When I talk about you know, watching porn two, three times a day for years and then being able to stop, and there's someone who's doing that, and there are many people who are doing that, you know, starting their days and ending their days with pornography, they can relate to me in that way. And that's, these things become very powerful specifically because they're common and relatable. Absolutely. And I, I will, if you, if you want to send me any of the things that we mentioned in the show, I'll drop into um, the post where I drop the podcast so then people can have access to those and can check that out as well as your, your website. Awesome. 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 And yeah, I appreciate, you know, I appreciate you coming into the show and sharing your story with my audience and just, you know, being like the theme of the podcast itself, just being really vulnerable and sharing not only your story, but how you've used it to help others find their stories that there's so much power in that. And so I just want to thank you for, for coming on and just giving us this knowledge and this excitement to share what, you know, what it is that we have our stories within us. Yep, absolutely. I'm uh, really happy to be here. Thanks for the opportunity. We will post all the, the links in the show as well so people can have access to that. And can people connect with you for questions um, as well? Is there a best way to reach you? Um, I'm on Instagram, um, Eliyahu, E-L-I-Y-A-H-U underscore Nash. If anyone find me and um, send me a message, I'll respond. 
and uh, to send an email to mic drop it's info at mic one if anyone's interested in hearing more about what we do absolutely awesome well thank you again thank you